Christ. Oh, conform us now in community, Lord. For we are weak and we are sinful and we are blind. But you have transformed us into being strong in Christ. You have transformed us into being saints in Christ. You have transformed us in having sight in Christ. And we wrestle with the tension of those two, Father. I'm wrestling with it this morning big time. So help me to see who I am in Christ. Even when I experience those things that aren't holy, right, whether from me or from others. Oh, God, help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know what a eulogy is? Typically, well, the dictionary definition of a eulogy is a speech or writing in praise of a person or thing. I mean, the synonyms for eulogy are commendation, accolade, citation, tribute, and four other ones that only Corey Smidgen would know. But when you hear the word eulogy, what do you think of? Survey says death. You know, I was hoping you'd say funeral, but right, death, yes, a funeral. <laughs> a funeral. That's right. But a eulogy isn't just for a funeral. We use that word here for that. But it's, it's really any time we are going to praise someone for who they are, or in the case of a funeral or death, who they were, and what they did. That's it. That's a eulogy. We're going to praise someone for who they are or were, if it's a funeral, and what they did. Now, if you look at the text... If you look at the text there in verse 3, it begins in the ESV with blessed. Blessed. You see that? Okay, that word blessed is translated from a Greek word, eulagetas. Let me say it again, eulagetas. What do you hear in there? Eulogy. Thank you. <laughs> and you. And me. We hear us all. Okay. Eulagetas. Uh, all right, so that word blessed, it's actually, this, this verse 3, it's a very Hebrew Jewish thing. And when you use eulagetas, literally means blessed with God. So which, this is what you have in verse 3, blessed be the God. This is a very sort of Hebrew Jewish formulaic way of saying, praise God. So when you use eulagetas with God, what it really means is praise God. If I, maybe in other translations, it'll say praise be to God. I think the NIV might say it that way. So really, so really what we have here in verse 3 is we have the beginning. We, we have the, the eulogy being launched. Blessed be God. Praise God. And so, so from verse 3 to verse 14... It's the eulogy. Verse 3, he's calling us, praise God. And verses 4 to 14, he's telling us why we should praise God. He's listing the things about God, what God has done that should elicit praise from us. And mind you, God, through Paul, is calling us to praise him. Not a mindless praise, but a praise based on who he is and what he's done. Reading from the exegetical commentary of the New Testament on the book of Ephesians. 
This is how they describe this. Paul begins his letter with an introductory eulogy or baraka. Baraka is the Hebrew uh, phrase for eulogy, baraka. That is an ascription of praise to God for who he is and what he's done. Now, we see eulogies in the Old Testament in this sense. When you have this baraka, praise be to God. You see them in the Psalms. You see them all over the place. But in the New Testament, they really just occur in three places. We're not going to go there, but Paul uses it at the beginning of 2 Corinthians. So if you want to look this up for yourself, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7, that's a eulogy. And, it, and Peter uses it at the beginning of 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. It's also in Luke 1, 67 to 79, when Zechariah's uh, song to God after John is born. Okay? All right, so heavenly blessings lived out in earthly community. This text in in verse 3 is calling us to praise God. Why? Why should we praise God? Well, verse 3b answers that. Verse 3b. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here we go. Here's why we praise Him. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. So we're to praise God because of the spiritual blessings he's given us in the heavenly place. And and so the first thing that should jump out at us when we read this is this term, in Christ. In Christ. In, in In this section that we're about to study right now. By the way, from verse 3 to verse 14, it's 202 words, and it's all one sentence. In fact, there's a couple of these really, really long sentences that drive seminary students crazy when the professors make them diagram the sentence because it's filled with participles and adverbs and adjectives and nouns and how do they fit together, and it's crazy. So it's 202 words. It actually begins at verse 3 and ends at verse 14. Today, I'm just going to be preaching verse 3 to 6. But, but this in, the, in these 202 words, the, the term in Christ or in him or in the beloved, count it, it's there 11 times. Just in this eulogy. Listen, in Christ is a theme of this book. Why? Because I believe that what God is communicating to us through the book of Ephesians is the first three chapters, here are the blessings, here are the heavenly blessings. This morning we're going to talk about really just two of them. We are called or elect in Christ, and we're adopted as sons and daughters in Christ. But the whole book really is about, first, what is it that we have in Christ, this new creation in Christ? We're going to see that in chapter 2. Chapters 1, 2, and 3, and then chapters 4, 5, and 6. How do we live that out? Called in Christ, conformed in community. So it's very, very important that we understand this term in Christ, in Him, in the Beloved. This is about God and what He's done for us. And this is about us then praising Him, this this eulogy that we give to God for what He's done and who He is. Now, why do we praise Him? Just a quick overview. Today, we're going to talk about two of these, verses 4 to 6 now. I'm going to move to verses 4 to 6 in a moment. He chose us in Christ, and he adopted us in Christ. Next week, I'm going to talk about he forgave us in Christ, and he revealed his plan to us. Remember Corey said last week that verse 10 is a key verse? It is absolutely a key verse. He forgave us, guys, and he revealed his plan to us. Praise be to God. And then on February 5th, 
Super Bowl Sunday. I'm going to talk about he predestined us and he sealed us with his spirit. He sealed us with his spirit. This is why we praise God. So today, let's examine the first reason given to praise God, and that is based on the fact that God chose us and adopted us in Christ. And that's the key verse, or that's the main point here, the propositional statement. Praise God. It calls us to do something. Praise God for choosing and adopting us in Christ. Look at verse 4 again. So verse 3, he's telling us we should praise God because he's given us all these spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, in Christ. Now verse 4, here is the first one. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now note the term there at the beginning of verse 4, even as. The, 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 the Greek there, here it's being translated as a causal, even as, because. It's the basis. What's the basis of our praise for God Well, in verse 4, this even as is going to introduce that. And then verses 4 to 14 are going to list all the causes. So you can translate that even as or because. Because why? He chose us in him. He chose us in him. He chose us in him. That, That English word chose is translated from a Greek word, eklekgomai. Eklekgomai. Elect. So there's, there's this idea of God choosing us or electing us. The election, the doctrine of election is found right here. And just to give you a little pause from all these Greek words that I'm throwing at you. You can see smoke coming out of some people's ears. Um, let, me just, let me just share this with you. And I, I hope this relates to you. You know, when I was younger, I attempted to play a lot of sports. Uh, I grew up in Miami. I, I loved it. The weather was great year-round. I mean, we played football in the fall, basketball in the winter, although, you know, the winter, and baseball in the spring, and then if you were good enough, you played on an all-star team in the summer. And uh, I was pretty good. I was pretty good in baseball. I was slow. So football wasn't tackle football, but flag football. You know, kind of chunky, slow guys. They're not really what you want in a flag football. You want really fast guys. So I can remember standing out there in a sandlot, you know, it was touch, actually. We didn't have flags. And everybody would be standing there. And the two best guys are the captains, and they'd start picking. <laughs> and they'd get down to two guys. And I typically was one of the last two guys. <laughs> hey, uh, you take Pino. No, 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 you got Pino. No, no, you take him. You take him. They'd be fighting over who was going to not have to take me. <laughs> I, I mean, we, we've all been there, right? Whether it's getting picked for a team on the sandlot, whether it's getting, getting picked. Right now, my son is applying to colleges. Will a college accept me? Will they reject me? Am I going to get accepted at this school or that school? Whether it's the job that you want to get. We've all had that sense of wanting to be picked and yet standing there and waiting to be picked. Here in this text, what we find out is that God chose us. God chose us. God chose us, and he didn't choose us for any gift that we might have. Why can I say that? Because look what it says. Even as he chose us in him, you see that in him, in Christ, it's all over the place. So it's in Christ. This is a blessing of Christ. But he chose us in him, and check this out, before the foundation of the world. He chose us not based on anything we did or who we are because we didn't even exist yet. 
He chose us. His elect. He elected us before the foundation of the world. And he elected us in him, in Christ. Now, if you are talking to a Mormon or you're talking to someone who does not believe in the Trinity, I think this is a a, a good place to go logically. Because if this was before the foundation of the world, if this were in eternity past before time was, and we are elected in Christ, then obviously God the Father, God the Son are there, right? In him is in Christ. So the eternal God, before there was anything or anyone... God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, the Godhead, they they chose us. They chose you. Uh, There's something I want you to get here. In in Ephesians, you've got this play between the individual and the corporate. We in America, my good friend uh, Gary Beecham has, has helped me with this. We in America often read all scripture individually. It's about me. He chose me. Yes, he did. But he chose us. I mean, especially when you get in the second part of Ephesians, the corporate aspect of the the you is a you plural, second person plural. If we were in Mississippi, it'd be y'all. That's right. You guys do a good job with that. All right. If we were in New York City, it'd be these guys. Been watching a little too much Godfather. Okay, Vito. Um, so it's you. It's you, but it's both and. Listen, you gotta, God chose you. You. Before the foundation of the world. That's before time. You. And you didn't do anything to earn it because you didn't exist yet. Didn't exist yet. This is what is called unconditional election. God's initiative, God's grace and salvation. This is what this points to, my friends. And this should elicit it from us. Praise, not, not pride, not pride, but praise. I can't, why? Let me praise you, God. I, I'll never forget, I, I, I came from a little bit of a, uh, well, it was an atheological world, which means Theology wasn't even hardly in the mix. It was all about practice and, and do it, go out and do it. But, but, you know, probably would be sort of functionally Arminian, meaning that man chooses God. Every man has the ability to choose God. I'll throw another name out there, Pelagius. Am I impressing anybody yet? Um, he was this monk, and he was teaching that. Okay. This, the man, there's some good in man, so he can choose God, which is not what Scripture teaches. And then I came to Reformed Theological Seminary from this place, which I really, the Lord blessed, and they did great work. But I, then I came to RTS, and then I'm, I'm sitting in R.C. Sproul's class. And if you don't know R.C. Sproul, he's, he's a wonderful Reformed theologian, and, and he's preaching the doctrines of grace. I'll never forget, he, he taught on the holiness of God. And when I think that God, the holy God, chose Al Pino, who he knew, he knew. He wasn't looking down the quarters of time to see if I would choose him, because I never would. Apart from Christ, sinner, selfish, hater of God, and lover of Al Pino. And he chose me. I'll never forget that class. I, I was stunned. I just sat there. I, I, 
I wanted them to bring in a worship band and, and just let's just worship for an hour. Not mindlessly, not because I'm an emotional guy, which I am, but because this truth has impacted me. I want to praise God. And that's why we praise God here the way we do, folks. That's why we take time to worship Him. And I know the style may be, not be what some prefer. I know that, the volume, whatever, I got that. But, but the best we can, we're going to sing songs that preach the gospel. And that third song was vert, veritably preaching uh, Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. And we're just going to say, I praise you. Because you called me. Listen, he didn't just call me, but check this out. He called me to be holy and blameless before him. Do you see that? Look at the end of verse 4. He called us to be holy and blameless before him. Do you know that, that we're called saints? Hagias. Which is not to be confused with the ice cream. Hagias. We are called Hagias nine times in this letter. Nine times. This is why Corey was preaching last week. Yes, we are sinners. Yes, we do sin. But that's not who we are in Christ. We are saints. Let us call ourselves what God calls us. Let us call ourselves what God's called us to be. He chose us not just to get to heaven and slide in, you know, just barely get into heaven like the door is shutting. And I just slide in. Boom. You know, some of you are like, God in. No, no, no. He called you to be holy and blameless before God. Can you praise him for that? And let's go back to the individual corporate deal. This is both individuals and it's corporately as a church. We're going to see that, especially in chapter 4. That's why we've got to walk this out together. We aren't perfect. I got that. We sin. I have that. Paul said that I'm the greatest of sinners. I understand that. But here, God says, you're saints. Act like it. I made you a saint. I called you to be a saint. I don't have time to go into the references of Hagias, Holy One, saints. But I do want to remind you of one. It's in Colossians 3.12. Let me just read it to you. Colossians and Ephesians are parallel. They're prison epistles. Very similar. They're very, very similar. 3.12, Colossians 3.12. He just finished talking to a bunch of people who are doing things, really, really bad things. What kind of bad things, you ask, Al? Well, how about this? He's telling them to stop doing the following. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry, slander, malice, anger, wrath, obscene talk from your mouth. Are we talking Christians here? Yes, we are. Oh, yes, we are. But listen to what he says in verse 12. Put on then, you who I just talked to, you who do all these things, put on then as God's chosen ones. Electagos. Holy. Hagias. You are not defined by your sin, my friend. I am not defined by my sin. Oh, I sin, and I will repent, and where I see it, I'm going to try to change, and God's going to help me, but that does not define me. God defines me as a holy one, and he called me to be holy and blameless, and he called you to be that, and he called us to be that as a church. We're defined by God's call. Point two. Point one, he chose us, and that's why we praise him. Point two, we praise him because he adopted us. Listen, that would be enough if he chose us. That'd be enough for me to be chosen on that ball field. Finally, I got chosen. I wasn't the last guy. Someone actually wanted me on the team. 
But listen, he takes us home and he adopts us. Read verse 4. Excuse me. Well, 4D, the very last two words in 4, I think, go with 5. In love, he predestined us for what? For what? For adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. There's one of those in Christ, through Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Anybody ever see the movie Blindside? I mean, it's one thing to ask Michael Orr, who's the tackle, who, by the way, is the starting right tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. Sam, are you here? There you go. Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I believe he was close to being a Pro Bowl pick, which means one of the best of the best. It's one thing to have uh, Michael Orr come on your team in, in uh, Mississippi, I think it was, or Arkansas. I forget where. <laughs> Memphis, there you go. It's one thing to pick Michael Orr on your team, but listen, you come to find out Michael Orr has no home. He's sleeping, he's sleeping on the streets. So what do you do? You adopt him in your family. Hey, I'll play the game with you, and if you're a good player, I'll put up with all your garbage, but I'm going home to my house. You go to home to your house. God didn't just pick us for his team. He adopted us as his sons and daughters. Can you praise him? This, this, this Greco-Roman idea of adoption, actually, the, adoption, the idea of adoption is not a very Hebrew thing. It, it, you don't see it a lot in the Old Testament. Some but, but, it, but many feel that Paul was really borrowing from the Greco-Roman idea of adoption. That is to say, full legal rights of a natural-born child. Released from control from your natural father. All right, think, start thinking about us, right? Natural father. Spiritually, you're of the devil. Uh, you know. Um, receive, you receive the adopting family's name, and you share in the status of the new family. So when Corey and Cindy fly to Siberia, <laughs> to a place I cannot pronounce, Minushnik, <laughs> Gesundheit, where it's 18 below right now. And they adopt this little girl. <laughs> she has no idea. None. That someone here in love is to adopt her. That it will change her life. Her name will actually be changed. I asked Corey if I could share the name. It's they're, the name they're going to give her is Svetlana, and they're going to call her Lana. So, so Lana, let's just call her Lana Smidgen. All the rights of the Smidgen family. It's like Annika. Your name, everything that's yours. God did that for us. Can you praise him? And he did it out of a heart of love. Remember I said those two words at the end of chapter 4, I think go, excuse me, verse 4, I think go with verse 5, because it says, in love, in love he did this. Listen, this adoption puts a warm face to the doctrine of election. Oftentimes people are like, ooh, the doctrine of election, that's so cold. Some get in, some don't. Oh, no, no, adoption is the warm face to election. It's personal. When you adopt somebody, it's personal, my friends. We are predestined as... Uh, for adoption in Christ to bring us into a personal relationship with God. Not just at a distance on his team, on his management team. No. We're sons and his daughters 
Do you believe that? Do you believe that God loves you? And he saw you before the foundation of time and he chose you. This will change your life, friend. He adopted you. It's personal. It's personal. I I think, guys, that's why there's such a premium on on, on loving one another in the church. That's why there's such a premium on relationships. Because God didn't say, I'm just going to choose you and kind of keep it whatever, this doctrine, this beautiful theological doctrine of election. He says, I'm going to get personal. I'm going to adopt you. He didn't have to adopt us. He could have just, I would have been fine. Just choose me, Lord. I want to be on your team. But he adopts me. That's why we, we must be committed to one another, conformed in community. God imparts his riches to us as his children. This causes us to break out in praise. You see, my friends, the purpose of election and adoption is relational. God is bringing together his people, his elect, his sons and his daughters, in whom he can rejoice. He rejoices in us. He rejoices in us. need to hurry because we have to do the new members. Let me just read this quote. The doctrine of election and praise, excuse me, the doctrine of election and adoption is intended to elicit from us praise ongoingly all day, whether it's Sunday morning, whether it's Monday morning, whether it's Tuesday. These doctrines just fill our soul with a glorious praise to God. But listen to this. They also do this. Listen, God chose us before the foundation of the world. What does that mean? It means that our fate does not rest with capricious and hostile spirit powers. Now, back then, remember Corey talked about this? There's this spirit world. And in chapter 6, you're going to see it. Today, we may not be worried about spirit powers, but maybe capricious and hostile men and women. No, our fate is not in their hands. Our eternity rests in the hands of the one true God who has chosen us, who chose us to be in relationship with him before any hostile evil spirit was created or any man or woman was created. It trumps anything on this earth. God's choice of us and adoption of us trumps everything else. Point three. We are to praise God for his glorious grace, which that song, that last song we sang was, had that in there. Praise him for the glory and his grace. His praise. Verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. That word blessed is a repeating of the word blessed at the beginning. It's that word we would translate praise because when, when, it's, when it's attached to God, it's attached to God, then it's going to mean praise. So he begins with praise. He ends with praise. The idea here is praise God for his spiritual blessings, and here they are. He chose you. He elected you. He adopted you. By the way, that little term, <clears throat> to the praise of his glory, it's, it's found three times here in this little section. Friends, the only way to properly respond to who God is and what he's done for us in choosing and adopting us in Christ is to praise him and magnify his glory. And we see the glory in his grace. For the grace of God has appeared. That's talking about Jesus Christ. Bringing salvation to all men, Titus 2.11. 
You see, grace is introduced here. Grace is a key theme in Ephesians. I'm not going to labor on this because we're going to have time to go through this, but grace is a big word. It's a big deal in the book of Ephesians. Remember Corey's message last week. Do you remember the title, at least from what I remember, not the title, but the prop, at least what I wrote down as the prop. It was this, finding our place in God's grace. Finding our place in God's grace. Well, the only way we find our place in God's grace is if God places us in God's grace. But then once we're in God's grace, then finding our place in God's grace is remembering about God's grace and praising God for God's grace. The interpreter just fell over out there. (laughs) They will be punching me in the face here after the service. Yeah. Paul finishes this text where he began, and that is to praise the Lord for the blessings he's bestowed on us in Christ. Christ is the beloved. You see that last little phrase there in verse 6? To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. What What a beautiful picture there. He's the beloved. Listen, Christ is the ultimate chosen one, not that he needed to be saved in that sense, but he is the ultimate chosen one. So in Christ then we're chosen because that he chooses us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit connect, communicates it to us. We're going to see that in the third sermon in this little mini-series, this little paragraph, this little sentence actually here. Friends, Christ is beloved, and as we are in Christ, we are the beloved of God. That's who we are. That's who we are. That's what Colossians says. Back to that verse again in Colossians 3.12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and what? Beloved. I don't care what you've done. You are a holy, beloved, chosen one of God. If you are truly in Christ, truly a believer, God has truly chosen you. That's how I'm going to choose to see you. And I beg you, choose to look at me that way. And turn and look at your spouse and choose to look at your spouse that way. And choose to look at your children that way. And choose to look at everybody in this church that way. Does that mean we don't deal with sin? No, we do. Does that mean we don't confront? No, we do. But we're gracious, we're kind, we're willing, we're willing to wait, we're willing to be conformed in community. Because God chose us. This is a God thing. You didn't choose yourself, God chose you. He chose you to be holy and blameless. And then he made it personal by adopting you. Oh, we should be praising God, friends. Praising the Father for these spiritual blessings. Let's just pray. Take a moment to pray. I didn't, I didn't talk to the worship team about this, but I want to sing that third song again, worship team. So can you get up here as quickly as possible? We're just going to take a little more time this morning. I think it's important. If you could just stay in an attitude of prayer as they come up. Lord God, I pray for myself firstly. For this has been a day in the last few days where my eyes have sadly been on this earth and on man and on myself and on things that would pull my eyes away from whom I am in you and who perhaps others are in you. And I say, Lord, please forgive me for that. Lord, please draw my eyes up to you. Lord, I want to praise you. You're worthy to be praised. I don't want to walk around with my head down, kicking the rocks, feeling sorry for myself and wondering what's going on. I want to lift my head up without being afraid to look at reality and say, I praise you, God. Because you chose me, you elected me before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. And then you made it personal. You personally stepped in and said, you're my son, Al. With all the rights that pertain. You did it in Christ. Oh, Jesus, thank you. 
Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for coming to communicate these truths to us, for inspiring this word we just read and giving us the gift of even understanding it and the gift of teaching it. Oh, Holy Spirit, sir, we we thank you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we praise you. Triune God, your plans are amazing, and we want to praise you for them. We want them to inform our lives and encourage us when we're weak. We want to see the glory of your grace with hearts and lives of gratitude. In Jesus' name.